Welcome to Thomas Anonymous with Tommy Natoli. That's me. Today I have shining in the brightest, sparkliest, sequin glitter awesomeness you've ever seen. It's the series finale and final chapter of Thomas Anonymous. Chapter 23, me. I was sucked back into the magnet town known as Pine Mountain Club. PMC, fool! I was a professional couch crasher for a few months sleeping on the floor of miscellaneous co-workers. I always loved a floor bed. Not because it was comfortable, but because nobody could really hold you accountable for paying rent. That is a classic slacker, mooch off people move. Oh man, look at me, it's so sad. I'm sleeping on the floor and I have nowhere to go. You can take the boy out of Wareham, but you can't take the shady Wareham out of the boy. Working again back at the charming Screaming Squirrel restaurant, I was able to, after a few months of floor sleeping, rent my own little room at the Flophouse. That wasn't the real name, obviously, but it's an accurate description of the place. It was an old hotel that had only about four rooms, which included the upstairs rooms that were the fancy apartments with bathtub jets and fireplaces, while the downstairs rooms were just four walls and a toilet. Living in the flophouse alongside me was a pregnant lady, another lady with like four kids, a divorced dad, and then gay-ass me. I rented one of the downstairs rooms, and it was my own little bachelor pad. I scavenged for furniture, and my new local wackadoodle character friends came through with donations to furnish my new place. I got a TV that was one of those big old square ones that has to sit on the floor because it's from 1972. My couch was just a section of a sectional. This was the kind of place where if you spilled something and ran to grab a towel, I'd be like, no, dude, we're not going to ruin a good towel. It had no kitchen, but I had plenty of mini kitchen appliances, including a toaster oven that I left two pizza bagels in burning and smoking while I passed out on the couch shit tanked. Things were going along just great. I didn't have any real direction, but I worked hard, partied hard, and was doing summer outdoor theater, so life was pretty good for a 25-year-old. I decided after years of restaurant experience as my only line of work that I needed a change. If I have to go fetch you one more goddamn side of ranch, I'm gonna throw you off a bridge. Ugh. Why couldn't you know you needed napkins five seconds ago when I was already here at the table? I needed a big change, and I knew I had to act quick before time flew by and I was a 75-year-old cocktail waitress in Laughlin with bleached hair. No offense. PMC only has two good, decent places to work. The Water Company and the Clubhouse. The Clubhouse is like a country club for the Property Owners Association. There's a fancy bar and a bistro and a pool and horses and the stupid golf course. I knew I had no redeeming skills to work at the Water Company, but I knew I could somehow con artist my way into the Clubhouse if I really wanted to. Mission Get the Fuck Away from the Screaming Squirrel was a go. I read in the Ho-Dunk local newspaper that the clubhouse was hiring lifeguards. Hmm, I could probably do that. I mean, I did start a lifeguard certification class once when I was 18 in Wareham, but quit after day one when I realized it was all cardio, and I didn't even know how to swim real strokes. The ad in the paper said, we'll provide certification and training. And as I read those words, I had a flashback of that lifeguard class and how much I hated it. But then I looked up at the restaurant I was in in my disgusting apron with smears of food shit across my crotch and thought, screw it, I'm going to be a lifeguard. I interviewed at the clubhouse and crushed it. I'm awesome at interviews, and you can read all about that in my next book titled 37 Jobs and I Quit Them All Except the Two That Fired Me. The clubhouse loved me, and before I knew it, I was driving down to stinky-ass funk Bakersfield every day to my lifeguard class. This course sucked everlasting donkey dick, and it wasn't a class. It was a boot camp all day, every day. I'm still bitter. 
It was the best and worst experience of my life. It was the worst because it was a challenge physically and mentally, but then it turned into the best because I rose up to every challenge and surprised the shit out of myself at my own determination to abandon the restaurant biz. The first day of lifeguard boot camp, they had cuts. That's right, they were sending bitches home. They made you swim 25 yards freestyle, dive down for a brick, a bunch of bullshit stuff, and they were cutting people after each round like, thanks, better luck next time. Ugh, I started to panic because I couldn't really do lifeguard swims. I remember a lady yelling at me, SIDE breaths, And I was like, what the fuck are those? I looked over to the other swimmers and started to copy the way that they were breathing. I somehow used Jedi mind powers for them not to see my lack of skills, and I made it through and I didn't get cut. Yes, me. Every night my body was so sore and reaching my arms above my head was just not an option. But somehow, someway, I kept on going and I made it through every dumb test, including diving down 14 feet of water and grabbing a loser off the bottom of the pool. At one point during that challenge, I remember treading water after many, many failed attempts at surface diving to the bottom and I just told myself, I don't want to deal with grease traps and onion rings. I need to suck it up and do this. What's a surface dive? Oh, that's when you are treading water and then dive to the bottom, but you dive down feet first. So you have to keep your body straight and use your arms to go to the bottom of 14 feet of water feet first. Then, once at the bottom of 14 feet, you have to drag a human being up to the surface. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. As insane as this task seemed, I just told myself, you are gonna do this. I'm certain, I'm certain, I'm certain. I passed all the physical tests, and I passed the written test with a 100%. Me! For the first time ever in my life, I gave a two-week notice and I dumped the screaming squirrel. (laughs) Bye, screaming squirrel. Jeez, big deal. Who cares? What's the point? The point is that eight months before lifeguard camp, I was trying to scheme and hooker my way through life. The point is, I was starting to grow up and work for what I wanted, even if it was delayed kicking in at age 25. Bam! I was a lifeguard. Me. I loved my new job. Basking in the sun on my lifeguard chair, gazing into the blue sky and perfect mountains, breathing in that crisp, clean air. Oh, and yeah, I gotta watch these kids too. Shit. Marco! Polo! Ugh. My last few months working at the Screaming Squirrel, my kitchen mom, Mama Diaz, kept telling me that I should do stand-up comedy. This was something she had said occasionally to me throughout the previous year during my impromptu performances of Acting Like the Boss's Wife and my mockery of customers. Like one night, this stupid bitch customer came in to pick up her to-go order, and as I cheerfully gave her the plastic bag, she blurted out, Ah! This bag is wet! To which I replied, Oh! Let me get you a new one! Gotta watch out for the water, it melts witches! I love Mama Diaz. She would always tell me, you gotta do stand-up, I'm telling you. And I was really hesitant as I was a dramatic actor, you guys. Hello, I do Shakespeare in the park. I did some research on the internet and started looking at some workshops in LA that I could go to. There was improv, stand-up, everything you could ever think of there was a goddamn workshop for. I was drawn to a class in Pasadena at the Ice House Comedy Club and started stalking all the info I could about it. The teacher of the class did a radio interview that someone had posted online and I listened to it over and over and over again. I worked an extra two weeks at the Screaming Squirrel just so that I could afford the $300 comedy workshop, but I eventually signed up and as scary as it was, I did it. But before I could start doing comedy, I had to fuck a few more mountain people. Things were shifting for me in such a good way. I started my new awesome job, and like a real grown-up, I started dating. No highway blowjobs, real dates. Technically, mountain dates aren't that far from a rest stop blowjob, but hey, baby steps. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Thomas Anonymous, let's have a quick recap of all my mountain dick. 
Garrett. Garrett was a late 20, early 30-somethinger who fell in love with me just days after stalking me at the Screaming Squirrel. He was attractive, rugged type of guy, and the only turnoff with him was how into me he was. We hung out at my flophouse apartment and drank and drank and drank, and then before you knew it, I was at my neighbor's door shit-faced asking to borrow a condom. I'm a safety girl. Borrow a condom like I'm gonna give it back. Ha ha. The days following our drunk fuck, he got a little too clingy and told me he was falling in love. Then I had a nightmare that he was watching me from outside my apartment, and then I dumped him. Bye, Garrett! Jack was my next gay mountain find. He was the son of a lady who had inherited a fuck ton of money from a guy that she was taking care of. Jack was batshit crazy, but he was my age, attractive, and seemed to have his life together, so I was in. We had some casual dates and didn't hook up until the third or fourth date. Classy, right? When we did finally dive into some heavy petting, that's when Jack's drama hat came out and all of a sudden he was drama, 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 drama. Quick example, he got mad at me for something and decided to climb up onto the roof of his mom's house and not come down. Fine, suit yourself, you big baby. Bye, Jack. JC was my next fling and he was my unicorn of men. I loved JC. It was 4th of July weekend in PMC. I was a tanned lifeguard and star of community theater. I was killing it! I was working one of my last shifts at the Screaming Squirrel, and Mama Diaz came down from the bar and said, You getting laid tonight? Oh, am I? Yeah, three gay guys just showed up at the bar. I got the fuck upstairs ASAP, and sure enough, there were three fabulous gay guys at the bar. Two of the guys were super hot, and after a night of drinking at the bar, I was on my way home with all of them. We partied at their cabin, and I ended up grinding it out with two of the hot ones in the kitchen. Side note, dancing with two super hot gay guys is way more fun than a rest stop blowjob. Eventually, at the end of the night, it was just me and JC left alone. He was so fucking hot. Tall, dark, handsome, 22, rockin' hot body, and soon enough I would find out that he also had a giant dick. Like nine inches minimum. And thick. He was from Colorado, and all guys from Colorado, in my experience, have great cocks. We had a hot, sweaty, passionate hookup. I mean, I still get wet today thinking of JC. Ah. Uh. The next morning, I woke up with that feeling of, oh my god, he's gonna hate me. So I peaced out before anyone could wake up. When I got to my car later that day, there was a note on it from JC telling me that he liked me and he wanted me to visit him in LA. <gasps> Oh my god, I was totally in love, well, in like, infatuation, you know, when you really, really, really like someone and it's all you can think about and it gives you stomach pains. Yeah, this was it. This was my first real boy crazy crush. As planned, I went down to LA to hang out with him and we had a fun night out with his friends. We gay bar hopped, went to a club. He wanted to show me all the gay stuff of LA. We hooked up again that night, except this time he wanted to be the top. And again, not much experience with this at the time, but I really liked him. So I was like, okay, and I let him. Uh, don't forget, he is nine inches and thick, so this didn't last long. Then I made the biggest rookie mistake of all and I told him that I'd never really done that. Ugh, big mistake, huge. Nothing bad happened in the moment. In fact, he ended up finger-banging me to show me that anal was good and I could get off. Thanks, JC. But the next morning, after we had morning blowjob time, I left and we never saw each other again. I was very desperate in my attempts to get together again after that, and he rightfully blew me off. Nobody wants to be somebody's first. I get it. Bye, JC. Sad face. Then there was Gay Mountain David. Ugh, what a drag Gay David turned out to be. We met at the local bar, of course, and being cliche gays, about 10 minutes into meeting, we were sucking each other off outside in the beer garden. You can take the boy out of a rest stop, but yeah, you get it. 
David was super attractive, dark hair, blue eyes, and a total drunk who liked to steal and pop pills. Oh god, I gotta get off this fucking train like yesterday. David and I were together for one week, and it felt like three years. We were at a house party, and he started crying because he just wanted us to hang out. Like, we are literally hanging out right now. Ugh, I left him there. Bye, David! Enter Daryl, stage left. Daryl was 40, professional, attractive, and totally nailed tight in the closet. He had a son that was my age and that worked at the coffee shop next door. So I'm lucky enough in my lifetime to have authentically had the thought, oh my god, I totally fucked your dad. Well, he fucked me, but whatever. Daryl loved me. We met at the bar one night, and within two hours he was picking me up out back and taking me back to his place. He snuck me in the back since he had his niece and nephew visiting. It was shady and I was super into it. Daryl worshipped me and I loved it. He was hot for 40 and the fact that he had an ex-wife was pretty hot too. Yes, daddy, me. He took me to Vegas one time and put a pile of cash in my pocket and I gambled and smoked cigarettes indoors until the cows came home. I ended up going home with 600 bucks. Profit. I also bottomed on top at the Sheridan Hotel at Universal Studios. Bottom experience. Check. Thanks, Daryl. We were on and off for about a year, but the most memorable thing about Daryl is that one time he blew me in the kitchen of the Screaming Squirrel. Take that, Board of Health ratings. A+. plus. Haha. I had to break it off because Daryl was too in love with me. Hey, what can I say? When you got it, you got it. Bye, Daryl. Love and light, bro. The important thing here is not dancing with two hot guys or bottoming on top at a Sheridan, although those things are fabulous. The important thing here for me was that I was no longer just showing up and taking my private spot out. I was starting to navigate the world of actual dating and spending time together and learning real names. <gasps> real names? Meanwhile, comedy class was going great. I would drive down once a week to go to my class and I was really loving it. The teacher was a comedy veteran who taught us how to take our ideas and turn them into jokes. I remember she said, you can't sit down and decide to write a joke about a peanut butter sandwich. It has to be authentic. It has to be true. She told us to go up on stage and talk about the thing that makes you the most uncomfortable. So I went up there and just decided to let go, not care, and talk about the big gay elephant that's been in the room with me for 25 years. I went on the stage and I said, so I'm gay. And then I paused, but nobody seemed to care. Like, it wasn't the breaking news I thought it was. I stared out into a room full of people staring back at me, and they were unaffected by my words. Their lack of a reaction was exactly what I needed. Nobody threw anything, or yelled to kill the gay, or anything. I realized how not a big deal it is in this liberal, metropolitan place, and how being here was a great opportunity for me to just be myself, start over, and just live. It was the comedy class that brought it out of me to not care anymore and to verbalize all the things I didn't want to talk about. There was no more selective sexuality with the, oh, I'm bi, or I'm pan, or yeah, I want to sleep with your girlfriend and you. Comedy helped me in more ways than most people can imagine. It made it so that I could take the one huge thing in my life that I was so scared, ashamed, and nervous to talk about, and talk about it in front of crowds of strangers. Now, quick side note about comedy workshops. Not everyone can take a workshop and then BAM, you're a comedian. You cannot teach somebody to be funny. Like, I don't care. You cannot teach somebody to be funny or have stage presence or any of that. I'm sure people who are not funny and have no charisma take comedy workshops all the time. And whatever, good for them. One more quick honk of my own horn before this memoir ends. Honk honk. I was already funny. Already an experienced performer. Already had been writing for years. So for me, the workshop just took everything I was already doing and knew and gave me a place to put it all. It taught me how to edit the fuck out of a story and to get to the goods. Edit, edit, edit. 
Starting to dabble in stand-up comedy made it so that I was out, out to the world, out to everyone. Oh shit, I still haven't told my family. Oh, all right, fine. I told my mother I was gay in a Mother's Day card. Hey, I figured if I'm gonna ruin her day, it might as well be her special day. She never said anything to me. She only said something to my sister. Oh, uh, you know, Tommy, he just wants a reaction from me. Like, no, Mom, if I wanted a reaction from you, I would have blown my boyfriend in your front yard. I'm kidding. He will never meet my mother. That little tidbit is true. I did send her a card telling her I was gay, but it's also a bit from my first five-minute set that I wrote in that workshop. Me. Clearly, I am not close with my mom, but I have no regrets, and if I had to do it all again, I would still send that card. But maybe this time I'd follow through on FedEx and some shitty cat litter. Now I just had to tell my dad, which I wasn't worried about at all, cause come on, <laughs> my dad's the cool one. Of course, my dad was going to my first stand-up show down in Pasadena. The end of the class finishes with a grad show on the main stage of the comedy club. My first five minutes on stage is hard to remember, and I keep the DVD of it hidden in a box far away because watching it would be so, so, so painful. I just can't. But from what I remember, it was a very cliche first time on stage kind of performance. Like I talked about my shitty apartment and of course my dick. And then I revealed halfway through that I'm gay. And I don't even remember what the jokes were with the gay stuff. Oh wait, of course I do, hold on. So I'm a typical gay guy, you know, really bad at relationships, really good at anonymous sex. I'm so bad to the point when someone says, hey, my name's Joe. I'm like, whoa, Joe, slow down with the names. I think we're moving a little too fast and scene. I killed it though. I killed it, as most people do at comedy grad shows. And honk honk again, I also had the most people in the audience. I had about 20 people drive almost two hours from the mountains to see me perform, and that was like such a special treat. I'm gonna skip the part where I spent the next two years wasting my life and energy at bringer shows and learning the hard way about the comedy scene and how I'm not a comic. But that first night of comedy was phenomenal. To have the support of so many people was inspiring and it felt super duper amazing. After the show, I was fawned over like one is after a high school production and that felt awesome, but I really just wanted to find my dad. He was in the audience that night and that is how we heard the gay news. My mom got a sassy Mother's Day card and my dad got a cover fee and a two drink minimum to find out I'm gay. You're welcome. Dad was drunk when I finally found him and my screaming squirrel friends. He hugged me and told me that he loved me and was beyond over supportive. We all went to a burger joint for some food and after that, as we left, my dad said he wanted to drive in my car with me. I love my dad forever, but he was shit-tanked, and the last thing I wanted to do while sitting on my post-show cloud nine was invite Drunky McDrunkface in my car for the ride home. I fully lied to him and said that my car had a bunch of stuff in it, and I made my friends take my drunk dad home. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> me! I needed to be alone. Not only had I just done something that felt so awesome with writing material and having people laugh at it, I had done it about very personal stuff that I struggled with for so long. It was not only a weight being lifted off my soul, it was an emergence of a new me and a new road to go down. For the first time in my life, I felt like there was a path for me to go down that felt right. That night on stage, it felt like there were magnets under my feet. There was like a palpable force that I could sense and I just knew like I knew like I know that I was doing exactly what I should be doing. I made the long drive back up to the mountains and as I felt my adrenaline settle down, I couldn't help but reflect on my life. The struggle and pain of hiding and hating myself. The years of trying to change the way I felt and thought. As my memory montage flickered through my mind, I started to cry and then sob uncontrollably because I was finally free from all of that chaos. It was that night on my ride home that I was born again. Not in a Christianity cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs kind of way. 
For the first 25 years of my life, I spent so much time pretending and molding myself to what I thought I should be or what I thought others wanted me to be. That person was no longer inside of me. I shed the skin of that old life and emerged as my true self. I could have my authentic reaction to things. I could be feminine if I wanted to. I could live life without a filter. I can do anything, except math. I really suck at math. But if I want to, I can answer the door for the pizza guy in heels and a wig. I can play Barbies and braid their hair while I sit and watch TV. I can even put a t-shirt over my head and pretend to be a goddamn mermaid if I want to. I can be me, 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 me. Did it! Yay! Make sure to follow me on Instagram at the Tommy Natoli, and you can also follow the show on Instagram at Thomas Anonymous Pod. Leave us a review on iTunes, or just take a screenshot of some nice words you wrote and put it on the socials. What do I care? Express yourself. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye.